Hey, good morning, everyone. You know, I was thinking this morning as we were just talking about, you know, Angel Tree and the Harvest Feast and just supporting missionaries both locally and, and all over the world. I, I, aren't you so glad to be part of God's kingdom that's actually doing something that has eternal significance? Can, can we just thank the Lord for that, that we're part of his kingdom and that we can do? I'm so glad that those things matter unlike our sports teams that will let us down. Amen. So I want to put my hope in something that's e- eternal. Uh, we are studying, studying the book of 1 Timothy, and this is uh, the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy as he oversees the church in Ephesus. And what I love about this book is Paul's heart for Timothy, his protege. Uh, we know that, that Timothy is, is having to endure some things within that church, some false teaching that has come into the church and that Paul wants him to deal with that. Paul is hoping to come see him, but he writes this letter to encourage him. What I love about this letter, it is so perfect for the world we're living in today. And the reason why I say this is for this reason. Paul shows Timothy what is important. Paul shows Timothy what is the reason and the purpose and the mission of the church. And we're going to look at 1 Timothy chapter 3 today. And what I love about the words that Paul gives to Timothy is this. Timothy, here's who Jesus is. Here is the gospel message. Here's why Jesus makes the difference. And don't stray from that. And listen, he, he's going to have to come against those teachers that are trying to bring in speculative types of teachings, sensationalistic type teachings that are trying to splinter the church. And what Paul will share with Timothy is this is the thing. It's the truth of who Jesus is. That is the rock. That is the bedrock. That is the pillar for the church. And the church will not splinter if we remain faithful to the teaching and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I say this to you all the time. I, I, I know you're sick of hearing it, but I, I say this to you all the time. Um, when we get tired of the gospel message, of the truth of who Jesus is, that he came for sinners, which I am one of them, and you are too, we're all messed up. He came for sinners to change us, to bring us back into a right relationship with God. And the gospel message says that my life needs to change once I have an encounter with Jesus Christ. The gospel message says I need to love those who persecute me. The gospel message says I need to serve those who are unservable. The gospel message says I'm to like those who are not likable. The gospel message says I should serve people who really don't deserve it and sometimes just irritate me. The gospel message changes everything about us because we begin to look and see with Jesus' eyes the world that he wants us to see. When we get tired of that message being spoken to our hearts, we begin to splinter and we begin to move away from our calling. And I never want to get sick of the gospel message because I need to hear it in my life over and over and over again because the default of my heart is always to go to myself, to go to my selfishness, to want to be entitled. That's the default of my heart. Is it yours too? Amen, it is. Whether you admit it or not, it's the default of our heart. And so I love the words of Paul to Timothy here. Listen to his words. These are so good. So we're going to be in chapter 3 of 1 Timothy Verses 14 and 16, we're going to dive into this. So you can look at the screens or on your devices or in your Bibles if you brought those. Or we have Bibles and uh, Bibles available for anyone who, who, who wants one or doesn't have one. It's our gift for you. But let's, let's see what 1 Timothy three fourteen and 16 says. It says, although I hope to come to you soon, I am writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed, and this is very important, you wanted Timothy to understand something. 
you will know how, to, how you ought to conduct themselves in God's household. He wanted to make sure that people, the church of God, was conducting themselves properly, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the foundation of truth. Beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. Now, speaking about Jesus and who he is, he appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in this world, was taken up into glory. Amen to God's word this morning. Amen. The Apostle Paul writes this to Timothy, and he wants Timothy to know, Timothy, this is your purpose. This is your calling. Don't stray from this. Don't, don't lose your focus. Don't get distracted from your calling in Christ Jesus. Stay on the path. And this is the path you are to stay on. I was, I was talking with someone um, yesterday who is a 46er. Now, if you are a true 46er, I'm not talking about your age, but if you are a true 46er, you know what I'm talking about. How many 46ers? I had one in the first service. Anybody a 46er? Okay, you're like, Pastor, what are you talking about? Okay, here's a four, a 46ers. There's 46 high peaks in the Adirondack Mountains, over 4,000 feet. And there are those that have hiked all 46 high peaks. Now, I haven't done one. In fact, I have done one, but I drove my car to the top of it, Whiteface Mountain. Now, this 46er said, doesn't count. I said, but yes, I was on top of Whiteface, but I drove my car up there. I remember Kathleen, we drove our car up there, and I saw some guy coming out of the woods, and he's huffing and puffing. I'm like, why are you so tired? He goes, I just hiked up this mountain. I go, you realize you could have drove up, right? You realize there's a road, the Morrow Highway, you could have drove that. And uh, so he, not only has he, he, did he do it once, He's done it three times, all 46 um, high peaks in the Adirondacks. And I was talking to him, and uh, his nephew goes to our church here, and they did a hike up Mount Marcy, which is the highest peak in New York State, and they did it at 12 o'clock at night. Are you nuts? Right? They did it at 12 o'clock at night because they wanted to see the sunrise. So they hiked up to the top of the mountain, Marcy, Marcy, and they could see the sunrise. And he says, what's interesting, I said, man, how do you hike... At night, and he goes, you know, we, we've got our headlamps and everything else. But he goes, actually, actually, it's easier to hike at night. I go, you're insane. You're, you're just, that's crazy. He goes, no, it's actually easier because what it helps you do is you look at just step before you, just the trail that's right in front of you. And he goes, what it helps you to do is not get discouraged because if many times when you see the trail in front of you, you see, you see the heights that you have to climb or the elevation that you have to climb before you, and you're like, oh, man, I've got to climb up this. But he goes... When you're just walking with each step in front of you, you don't get easily discouraged, and it goes much quicker. And I'm like, that is a good sermon illustration. Your word is a, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And I got thinking about that in our, our walk with the Lord. So many times we get easily distracted, and we don't stay on the path. And what Paul is telling Timothy, don't be distracted Don't go off the path of the gospel message. Don't go off the path of who Jesus is and why he came. Stay right there. Don't get distracted. I know for some of us, we want to know what's going to happen next week or two weeks or a month from now. How many know we don't know what's going to happen? And God says, listen, just stay on the path. I'm going to give you just enough grace for today. Stay close to me. Stay close to Christ. Allow me to lead you. Allow me to guide you each and every day. And there's enough grace that's available to you each and every day if you just trust me. Don't worry about a month or two months or a year from now. Just trust me for each and every step. These are the words that Paul gives 
to Timothy. And it would be so easy for Timothy to get distracted and lose focus from these false teachings that are coming into the church. And so there were those that wanted to distract people and take people off the course of who Jesus is under these speculative types of teaching. Know this, knowing what we believe about Jesus lives, leads to right and godly living. This is what Paul wanted to encourage Timothy. Knowing what we know about Jesus, it always leads to right and godly living. So what do I mean by that? Well, the more we know Christ and his teachings, the more I will live correctly before him. And he wants us to be disciples, not just church attenders, where we just come and we do our church thing. He actually wants us to be disciples. He wants us to be more like Christ and to become like him in every area of our life. And my desire for you as your pastor is to help you grow in your relationship with Christ. Not just, I mean, coming to church is great and we worship together. This is wonderful. This is, this is part of it. But it's that everyday growth process where I'm growing and Jesus, are you changing me? Am I becoming more like your son, Jesus? It's the truth of the gospel that transforms our lives and keeps us close to Christ. And so that's why Paul wanted Timothy to remain close to the gospel message, close to the message of Christ, because this is the thing that transforms lives. This is the thing that changes us. This is the thing that, that covers us and cleanses us from all our sins is that gospel message. And so the gospel message, just in a nutshell, is just good news about Jesus. Now, we're going to get ready to celebrate the Christmas season, and we're talking about Jesus' birth, God incarnate, God coming to earth in the form of a baby, and we're talking about this good news that they brought to the shepherds. But in order for good news to be good news, we first need to understand what? The bad news. How many of like, you people are like, hey, I've got good news and I've got bad news for you? Do you want to hear the bad news first or you want to hear the good news? How many of you are like, bad, just give me the bad news first? How many of you are bad news? How many of you are like, no, I just want good news and then don't even share the bad news with me, right? So in order for the gospel to be understood, to be good news, we need to understand the bad news. For it to be good news, it has to pierce dark places. And the bad news is, is that we're lost without God because of our sin. And that's what separates us from God. Jesus came to restore that for us, to give his very life for our sins on the cross. Going all the way back to Adam and Eve when they rebelled against God and we were born with this sin nature and we can't overcome it in our power. We need a savior. And that's why Jesus came. The gospel-centered ministry gives this great description of the gospel. And let me just read it for you. It's, It's just simple, but I love, this is the message of the gospel. This is why it's such good news. Let me quote to what the gospel-centered life says here. It says, this is why God sent Jesus into the world to be our substitute. The Bible teaches that Jesus was fully God, the second person of the Trinity, and also fully human. He was born to a human mother, lived a real flesh and blood existence, and died a brutal death on a Roman cross outside of Jerusalem. Jesus lived a life of perfect obedience to God, making him the only person in history who did not deserve judgment, but on the cross, he took our place, dying for our sin. He received the condemnation and death we deserve so that when we put our trust in him, we can receive the blessing of life he deserves. That's, that's, that's the good news. That's the gospel message in a nutshell. And this is what Paul continually emphasized to Timothy. And so in the middle of the letter, Paul reveals this good news of God's plan to Timothy. And so the good news, what he says, the reason why it's such good news and why the message of Christ is such good news is the gospel is a story of triumph 
It's a story of vindication. It's a story of redemption. And it's a story of victory. It's got everything a great movie, which makes a great movie, right? It has all these elements within the message of the gospel. Ultimately, the gospel message is the story of hope. And if there's anything our world needs today is hope. We have to look beyond our present circumstances of all the stuff that's going on and we need to have hope. And Jesus is the one that gives us this hope through the wonderful gospel message. When my, when my life changes, we, we put our faith in that message. That's what helps us to endure. In Romans 1.16, Paul's letter to the Romans, he says, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. And so in verse 15, Paul gives the reason for his writing, and he gives Timothy the church's purpose, its identity, and its mission. And I love this. Paul describes uh, the church as this household, a family. A church is a gathering of those who actually uphold the power and the message of Jesus Christ. And so it's, it's a place, not just where we come and we put in our time and we leave, but the church is actually a family where we come together and we actually do life together. And that's what I love about the family of God. It's we walk through things with each other. We pray for each other. We help each other. That's what I love about the family of God. It's not just someplace we go and we leave and that's it, but really it should be a family where we actually do life together. And what Paul says is the reason why the church is so important is the church is this pillar and it's the foundation of this truth of who Jesus Christ is. Without that truth of Jesus Christ, the church will splinter. And the reason why the church is splintered in many ways is because it's gotten away from the truth of who Jesus is and what his original message is. And then they go off and we can get off on all these rabbit trails and tangents and we get away from the central truth of Jesus as God and why he came to earth and what the gospel message is. The church holds up that message of Christ. Now, my uh, wife and I were able to travel to, to Florence, Italy this summer with, with my brother-in-law and sister-in-law, and there was this cathedral in the middle of Florence. Now, I am a history geek, and I want to show you a picture of it. This, this thing was incredible. It, it's, it's called the Cathedral of Florence, but the Italian name is the Cathedral of Santa Maria del Fiore. I'm going to say it again. That was good. I should, you guys should have clapped for that, but I'm going to say it again. That's all right. No, too late. Too late, okay? I'm going to say it again. The Cathedral of Santa Maria del Fiore. Ah, oh, there you go. Okay, thank you. Now, the, on, the, on, on the top is the, the Duomo, and this, this thing's in, the dome is incredible how this was built. This was an engineering marvel of its time. They had to lift 37 tons of material and 4 million bricks just to, to build the dome. The, the cathedral, actually the dome was left open for many years because no one knew how to build the dome. There was no engineering at the time to build it. There was no scaffolding. They couldn't scaffold it. Was too, it was too big. And so there was a non-engineer person that helped engineer the dome. Everyone thought that thing was going to collapse. 700 years later, it's still standing. In fact, they have no plans. They don't even know how they built it because there was no plans left behind. Until recently, they found out this engineering marvel and actually how they built the dome. As you look inside of the cathedral, the pillars are enormous. And to look at something that's 700 years old and still standing is amazing. And what Paul is saying, what keeps the church strong, what keeps the church from collapsing is the truth of who Jesus is. 
The gospel message of Christ is our foundation. That's what keeps us unified. That's what keeps us from strain. Paul gives the truth of Christ and tells of Jesus' credentials. He says, this is, who Jesus, this is who Jesus is. He passed the test. He's the real deal. He's the real McCoy. I have no idea what that means and no one else does. But he is that real McCoy. And, 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 and this is what he came to do. There is no falseness in him. He's the genuine article. His credentials are true because he conquered the grave. Now, now, I don't know if you've ever asked your medical doctor for their credentials. I'm assuming the degree I see over the back of their desk is real and it's not something they printed off Google. I'm, I'm assuming, right? I don't know if you've ever asked your doctor what their credentials are. Have you ever wondered if, if they're good? Like, are they good at what they're doing? Have you ever wondered when you went into surgery that maybe you were the first person that they did an operation on? Have you ever asked those questions? I went to one doctor for my knee, and I looked at him, and I, I said, no way. He's way too young to be a doctor. So I looked at him, and I said, excuse me, I just got to ask you a question. How old are you? Are you like 15 years old? Because you look really young. He said, no, I'm 18. I said, okay, good. You can look at my knee. No. Um, you know, someone, we all, you know, we all say, well, my doctor's the best, my surgeon's the best. They all can't be the best, right? Someone had to come last in their class, right? And hopefully that's not the person working on you. But Jesus is the best. He's the best. He proved it not by words, but by his actions. And Paul gives us this checklist of who Jesus is. The church's foundation, the reason for the church's longevity, hinges on these truths of Christ or it will collapse. And so Jesus came in flesh. God dwelt among us. He is called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Paul says that he was vindicated by the Spirit, meaning the resurrection authenticated his divinity. All the lies about Jesus, those who didn't believe that he was God, those who falsely accused him, were proven wrong by his resurrection. Our hope in Christ is what keeps us going. Jesus is our foundation. He's the one that gives us the hope when life seems so hopeless and when things seem like they're falling apart around us. We have this firm foundation in Christ Jesus, Paul says, that he sits now at the right hand of the Father forever interceding for us. So I want to encourage you today. God has given you a word. God has changed your life for a reason. God has given you his spirit, not just to come to church each week, which is fine, but he wants you to share that transformation to other people that he did in your heart and life. He wants us to see the world through his eyes now. That's the power of the gospel. That's what changed for me from someone who was just a church attender when I was a kid. You went to church, you did your thing. I didn't care what you believed, it's fine, whatever you... And all of a sudden, when Christ transforms your heart and your life, It's an everyday thing. All of a sudden, you want other people to know what Jesus has done for you, that Jesus died for everyone, that he loves everyone, that this message of the hope of the gospel, that Jesus died for sinners, is for everyone. And guess what? Jesus wants you to be excited about that because of what he's done in your heart. And then what he does is he calls us not to just know about it, but he calls us to serve. And this was was the thing that kept the apostles from not giving up. It was the truth of Christ that kept them going. The apostles saw the risen Savior. They knew who he was, that he truly was the Son of God because he conquered sin and death through his resurrection. And so that's why they faced death 
That's why many of them died a martyr's death because of the truth of seeing the risen Savior. And they wanted that truth to spread throughout the world. What kept them from not giving up was the reality that Jesus was God because they saw Jesus after his resurrection. And so Paul shares that Jesus was taken up to glory. I love this. And, and Hebrews 1.3 really reiterates this point where it says, The sons radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. He sustains everything by his mighty power of his command. And when he had cleansed us from our sin, he sat down in the place of honor and at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. And that's where Jesus is now. We have a Savior who conquered sin and death for us. That no matter what we go through here on this earth, no matter how grim it may look, our hope ultimately is in a risen Savior. And that's what gives us encouragement to live each and every day, to say, God, even though life here isn't great or things in my life aren't going that great, I know that you've overcome the grave. So it gives them It gives you hope to continue to live on the next day and realize that God still is going to use you and work through whatever circumstances you may be going through because Jesus is alive. Do you realize that this morning? Jesus is alive and he hears you. He hears your prayers. He hears your call for help and he's there to give us his grace and his mercy. He sits in all power with with all authority and will come again, not as a baby, but as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So what, 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 what keeps me from loving people who don't deserve it? What keeps me from becoming just hopeless? What, what keeps me from not just giving up? What keeps me from serving others when I just don't feel like it? What keeps me moving forward when life doesn't make sense or when life isn't going my way? It's knowing that Christ accomplished for me And what he did for me on the cross and how he conquered the grave through his resurrection is the thing that keeps me going. We have this beautiful hope in a risen Savior. And we have this hope of his glorious return one day. And Jesus will make all things right. God will restore. We're getting a little picture. What what I love about the gospel message when people come to Christ is that he takes our brokenness and he redeems it for his glory. We get a little picture, just a little picture of God's total redemption plan when we will completely be redeemed, when we will be like him, when we are in heaven. And behold, all those things that are in our past are gone. We don't have to worry about them anymore because we are ultimately found in Christ. It's knowing what Christ accomplished for me that keeps me going. It's his love, his sacrifice for me that keeps me going, knowing that he will never leave us or forsake us, that nothing can separate us from his love. So Paul did not want Timothy to lose focus on who Christ was and who Christ was in him. And it's more than just knowing. Here's what I love about our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's just not some religious thing that I do, my religious calisthenics, or it's something that I believe, but it actually saturates our lives and actually changes the way we live. That's how I really knew as a 16-year-old teenager when when Christ began to change my heart and I, and, and I became a follower of him, it's all of a sudden Jesus gave me his desires and wanted me to do the things that pleased him. And it became less about looking at myself and looking at more about what God desires. And there's that constant struggle with our flesh and our selfishness, isn't there? That's when I knew that God was really doing a deeper work in my heart because I began to care about the things that he cared about because his spirit was now in me. That doesn't mean we live a perfect life or we don't screw up. We do. But aren't you thankful for God's grace and mercy that brings us back? 
and gives us his desire. I was, um, I was watching at the end of summer, the men's and women's U.S. Open, you know, it, it is in New York City for men and women's tennis. And I was watching that tournament, one, one of the matches. And I remember I was watching one of the men's match. And it was after the first set. It was a close tiebreaker. And uh, the one gentleman that lost the first tiebreaker was so mad because he made a couple unforced errors and he should have actually won the set. So he goes on the turnover in the break after the first set. He goes to his seat and he takes his, his sports drink and his water bottle and he just takes it and he just chucks it onto the court. And, and I, I don't think he meant to do it because he was just so frustrated, but the whole sports bottle just exploded. And it was all over the court. So you get these ball girls and ball boys that are running and they're getting the towel. And I think the guy felt bad at that point. So he gets his towel and he starts wiping up because it's going to delay, you know, the start of the second, second set. But what was interesting to me is that his opponent was on the other side and he saw everything that was going on. His opponent got up, took his towel, and started helping with the spill that his opponent did. Now, you would think, hey, you, you, know, you messed up your bed. You've got to make it, right? Why am I going to help you when you had a tantrum over there and you, let, you know, let the sports bottle fly all over the court? But what it showed me was this. That was a perfect picture of servanthood, of doing something for someone that didn't deserve it. And as I watched it, I'm like, Jesus, that's exactly what you want from my heart. Is that when Christ changes our heart, we begin to look through his lens and his eyes and what he desires for the world. None of us in this place deserve God's grace or mercy. What the gospel message does, it takes our entitled spirit and it crushes it. What the gospel message does, it takes my selfishness and what I want and what I think I deserve and it crushes it under the weight and the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. And my heart for you as your pastor is that you would be true disciples of Jesus Christ, that you would get a fresh image of who Jesus is and what he did for you. Not only a knowledge, and we need to grow in knowledge, we need to know what we believe, but it would literally transform your life in the way you behave and the way you treat the world. You see, God demonstrates his love to us. It's not just a talk. It's a demonstration where God demonstrates his love towards us that while we were still perfect people, Jesus died for us, right? No, while we were still what? Sinners, Jesus died for us. This is what our world needs to see. A disciple of Christ who not only knows what they believe about Jesus, but it transformed their their heart to live and serve in a world that so desperately needs to see a real Jesus. A Jesus that loves, a Jesus that sacrifices. They need to see that. And so we have a wonderful opportunity before us to stay on track, to stay on the gospel message, and allow the gospel message to permeate our hearts and our lives so it affects the way we live each and every day. See, this is the heart of Jesus for the church. We need not only know what we believe about Jesus but it should move us to serve and sacrifice even towards those who don't deserve it. That's the heart of the gospel. Jesus came for sinners. Jesus came for lost people, which every single one of us are. I am so thankful for his grace and mercy because I didn't deserve it. But yet he still gave his life for me. We need to continually preach the gospel message to our hearts each and every day. When I get frustrated, 
when I don't feel like I got my due, when, you know, when I, when I feel entitled, when I feel like I've been mistreated, it's the gospel message that crushes that wrong attitude. It crushes it. So let's be a people that serve Jesus out of complete gratitude and thankfulness for what he did for us that we didn't deserve. And that'll keep you humble. That'll keep you humble. So you might be in this place today and you may say, Pastor, I, I haven't I, I haven't jumped in all the way with Jesus yet. I'm kind of I'm kind of on the, you know, just kind of wolfing around, kind of lollygagging a little bit about this. Can I just say, stop lollygagging? Listen, when you jump in all with Jesus, I'm not saying your life is going to be perfect or everything's going to be hunky-dory, right? But what I will tell you, he'll give you joy and a peace that you're not going to find in this world because this world is just disappointing. And he'll give you a, a hope beyond the things of this world. And there may be some of you here today that you say, Pastor, I've just been through so much and I have to admit, I've kind of lost perspective of who Jesus is. I want you to picture Jesus right now as high and lifted up, seated at the right seated at the right hand of the Father. He is in majesty. That's our hope. He conquered, so we too will conquer. Even though we die, we will live through Christ Jesus. Let that be your hope for what you're struggling with today. Let the hope of who Jesus is, that he conquered, that he says, listen, don't let your hearts be troubled, but trust in me, trust in my Father. For in my Father's house are many rooms. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Let your hope be in the fact that Jesus has conquered this world for you. And I know that's how the disciples and the early apostles made it through all their extreme circumstances. They had the hope that Jesus was alive and he conquered. And he was going to use them in spite of all the things and the difficulties in their world to share the wonderful message that he gave them. Amen. So I'm going to pray for you. We're going to close in song. And uh, I just want to pray for your hearts today. And Maybe you're struggling today, and, and, and I'm just want you to get get a, get a new glimpse and vision of Jesus. Maybe you haven't jumped all in. Jesus has come just as you are. Let me do the changing in your heart. Let His grace be applied to your heart and life. So, Father God, we just come before you now, and Lord, I thank you for your Word. I thank you for um, how encouraging Paul's words were to Timothy about who Jesus was and what the message is and what the pillar of the truth of the churches and that's Christ and we need to continue to build on that firm foundation of who Jesus is. I pray for those here today, God, that are just kind of on the fence with you, Jesus. Lord, I pray they would jump full, full in God. Lord, I pray that they would lay their burdens in their heart that are in their heart at your feet, God. I pray that they would lay their sin at your feet, God. Thank you for your mercy and grace and your forgiveness. I pray for those who have just kind of lost their way and become hopeless in the direction of their life. They're just not really sure where they're going. Lord, I pray that our hope would be found in you, that you give us a purpose and a plan for, for your calling in our hearts and our lives to continue to share that wonderful message that Jesus came to change lives, to save sinners. And I thank you for that, Jesus. And I thank you you came for all. Thank you that, Lord, you're not looking for perfect resumes. In fact, you're looking for messy resumes because those who humble themselves and admit their weakness and admit their sin, those are the ones that you pour your grace out upon. So pour your grace upon us today. And we thank you, Jesus, for who you are. May we be a church that firmly stands 
on the gospel message of Jesus Christ and never stray from that. Help us to be faithful to your word, both in our church and our personal lives and the way we live. And we want to be careful to ask all these things in Jesus' powerful name. In Jesus' powerful name. And all God's children said, Amen. Can we thank the Lord this morning for his word? He's so good. He's so worthy of it. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're just going to close in song. Let's sing this unto the Lord.